baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. That's my word for the results of the Iowa caucus. And I'm not specifically talking about Donald Trump's victory. In a larger sense, I am. But it was predicted. Uh, by the way, the poll's pretty darn close. What was it, 28%? Wins by 30%. 50% of Iowa's caucus goers picked Donald Trump. So what is your word for the Iowa caucus results, mine is amazing, and here why I, here's why I say amazing. His ability to lock his supporters up has been nothing short of amazing. The political movement that has been Donald Trump is amazing. And if you had any doubts whether or not the Republican Party is now Donald Trump's party, put those doubts to rest. It is his party alone. You know the rhino term that they throw around? Republican in name only? I argue the rhino (laughs) is Donald Trump and all his supporters. I think they're Republicans in name only. That is the party of Donald Trump. And it is amazing to see. And it's coming again. Any kind of hope we had that Nikki Haley or Ron DeSantis might challenge Donald Trump and might uh, offer a viable solution that this uh, nomination is contested? Things could still happen. Absolutely, right? But boy, the stage is pretty much set for uh, Donald Trump, part two. And that includes the general election. Because anybody who looks at uh, Joe Biden versus Donald Trump and think it's a, it's a breeze that Joe Biden beats Donald Trump again, mm-mm-mm. I don't think so. So what's your word? 651-461-9226. Yes, we limit you to one word, but feel free to call in and uh, describe why you're picking the word you're picking. Agree, 100%. Amazing, the best word to describe it. Yeah, by the way, amazing doesn't automatically connotate like you approve of it. Amazing is just that. It's, it's amazing. Horrified, someone says. Sad, someone says. Someone correct me, 51%. Scary. Meh. One word for Iowa caucuses. Stupid. Awesome nauseated, Kool-Aid, resigned, disgusted. David Josephson, if you had to pick one word to describe the Iowa caucuses, which, again, I was, did I really get excited about the Iowa caucuses? No, because it was looked like it was predetermined and looks like we were right. So what's your word? Uh, my word uh, piggybacks right off what you just said. Predetermined, my word is yawn. Yawn. Because... I there was no mystery in this. We knew what was going to happen. The margin wasn't going to be close. Um, 
The, I mean, it just it, it it parrots the debates that we've seen, where the, the two people debating exactly. were just distant, sideshow. distant sideshow, sideshow, second place, right? And um, I'm actually more kind of disenfranchised with the system than I am the candidates this time around. Oh, sure. You just go, yeah. You know, there was a time where you go, okay, yeah, we absolutely. really don't know. We're going into this. There's right. a bunch of candidates. They're all viable. That's my see point. What yesterday. That was my and, point yesterday. This should be exciting. Yeah, right? it should be kind it's of exciting. Not like, exciting at all. No, it's, it's a total. Yawn. Hope we had, you say. Smile. You're insulting a good share of your listeners. Smile. But still listen to you. Remember, making fun of the other side isn't helpful. Did, did, did I make fun of the other side? What, uh, correct me if, I, if, you took, if you took that as insulting. I'm not insulting. It's amazing. Uh, that's, I, <laughs> it truly is. Uh, wretched, someone says. Irrelevant because it's Iowa. Uh, terrifying. Sad and shocking. That's two words, but we'll let it go. Terrifying. Sickening. Another meh. One word. Ugh. U-G-H. Is that a word? Ugh. I, I, th- I thought there was like a few more G's in ugh. And I have to check my Charlie Brown Peanuts cartoon. Yeah. Isn't that always? Ugh. It's a sound effect. I right. <laughs> uh, cultist. Expected. Terrifying. Pathetic. Horrified. One word for the Iowa caucus, overblown. Over a, only a, This is true. Only 110,000 voted in a state of 3.2 million. And the 110,000 are the diehard Republican activists. But still, that shows you it is the party of Donald Trump. Expected. He is viewed as an outsider still in the separation of the haves and have-nots. Have come to a head. People are dumb uh, believing that the government is there to solve their problems. Uneducated voters, what they went for, hopeless, disgusting. I got a, this text earlier uh, that I want to make sure I get to because I kind of uh, just, um, okay. One word for the Iowa caucuses, perfect. The interview with the Drake professor that Vanita had that I talked about was predictable, filled with his academic sector's contempt for people who's worse off from four years ago. I want to take issue with that. I understand that sentiment that, okay, the educational elites somehow look down upon um, you know, working Americans, uh, I, I don't like to say uneducated Americans, but people who don't have like a, a college degree. And does that happen? Absolutely. But I don't think in this case that was it at all. I think this was a professor saying he's giving thesis and giving research into why Donald Trump is so popular. And he nailed it being that, you know what, by his supporters are guys who look just like me, white middle-aged guy, and many cases, um, more than not, less than a college education. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but that what he's seizing on. And he's seizing on a resentment. He's seizing on an anger. And he's seeing, seizing on a frustration. Those are all legitimate feelings that a large portion of this country has. Now, you could debate what, why they have those feelings and who capitalizes on those feelings. But it's not, we can't dismiss those feelings of people who have that. And I'd argue it goes, this text you're saying, for worse off than they were four years ago. It goes back a lot longer than that, by the way. It's people who have had those feelings for a long, long time. And Donald Trump and his supporters and his inner circle has capitalized on that. On more. Earlier you had a segment on Jesse Ventura. They were saying there's a special tonight on TV. Oh, yeah, that's on PBS. We'll get to that a little bit later, too, because that was, Dave, was that 25 years ago today that he was sworn in? 
That's right, 25 years I ago. I remember today. exactly yep. where I was when I heard that Jesse Ventura yes. won uh, the governorship of Minnesota, and yeah. I was shocked. Yes. We shocked the world. He sure as hell did shock the world. So later this hour, we, we're going to talk to Sheriff DeWanna Witt next. Uh, she joins us uh, periodically. We like to check in with her. But I want to get to the parallels between a Jesse Ventura election and a Donald Trump election. Uh, because I think there are some similarities, uh, but there's a lot of big differences, too. Uh, we'll get to that a little later in the hour. Also, Michael Broadcorp, uh, who uh, for years was a GOP strategist, uh, has commented on not only uh, the state Republican Party, but the Republican Party of, of the nation on frequent basis. He's going to join us to go over not only the Iowa caucus results, but what's happening with the Minnesota uh, Republican Party and their continued frustrations financially and philosophically. He'll join us next hour. But up next, we love talking to Sheriff DeWanna Witt from Hennepin County for a variety of reasons, not only law enforcement. Uh, she joins us next on WCCO. I know the feeling, Jason. Can't turn it off. Can't turn it off. Uh, we love talking to Hennepin County Sheriff DeWanna Witt because uh, we can talk about, obviously, things going on in her department, but many, many other topics. But let me start with this because we usually have the sheriff in studio here. And, Sheriff, she's on the uh, the John Schuster Cobalt Banker hotline. i got to be honest. I think being a sheriff, you automatically are a brave person. So I'm questioning your courage, Sheriff, that you can't walk over here even in the cold <laughs> weather. What is going on? We'd love to see you in person. I promise I'll be there next time in person. But, yeah, you know what? When it comes to this kind of cold, <laughs> I'm a coward. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay to admit it. That's no. the first step. Hey, you know, yeah. we were just talking politics, Sheriff, and obviously you're a law enforcement officer, but a politician also because you had to run for office. I guess, how glued are you to the political environment and politics in general? Is that something that you like to follow, or is that just like noise that kind of gets in the way of you having just a, a regularly normal day or life? You know, I think it's a little bit of both. Yes, ran for office, so that does technically make me a po- politician. But as you know, I like to be authentic, make sure that I am being right. a voice of the people and not putting politics over what the needs of our uh, the people in our communities are asking us for. Does it concern you? I brought this up um, a couple of weeks ago about just the this, the divisive nature of politics nowadays and that, you know, there's a certain segment of the population that feels like, you know, violence would be necessary to achieve their political goals. How much is that on your radar about the possibility of violence kind of associated with an election year or uh, as, as things get heated up uh, when we talk politics? Well, you know, I've said it before where people are throwing around the term public safety like um, just every day. And yep. I ask people all the time, ask people when they mention public safety, do they include policing? Because people have different definitions about what public safety looks like. And, you know, we know that um, policing, law enforcement, has to be a part of that conversation. You know, we need people out here that are keeping people safe, you know, bravely doing so. So, you know, public safety, does that include policing? That needs to be the question that we need to ask our elected officials so that we can get honest answers because people are talking about how they don't feel safe, and they're looking at all of the rhetoric that's going on in the communities, and people just want to simply feel safe. That's a great point, especially because we've got another legislative session about to start. How uh, how f- Are you going to be a frequent visitor to the Capitol this year to ensure that uh, your uh, d- definition of public safety that you just laid out 
is one that is recognized by lawmakers uh, of both parties. Yes, we have to show up and we have to use our voices. I, I do plan on being um, at the Capitol uh, quite a bit as time allows. And also, you know, as a member of the Minnesota Sheriff's Association, you know, we've talked mm-hmm. um, amongst ourselves, too, about making sure that we are present there so that we are being in those conversations around public safety and policing to be more specific. Is there one piece of legislation, I don't mean to put you on the spot, is there one that's on your radar this year that may come up that, that you want to make sure you and your fellow colleagues' voices are heard on? Well, there, <laughs> there's a few. We know we still have the school resource officer as right. a hot topic right yep. now. So yep. that's just one. But, you know, being a sheriff and then thinking about, like, one of the biggest liabilities of every sheriff, which is the jail, you know, um, something uh, that we'll be lobbying for is the waiver 1115 so that we can make sure that we have continuity of care for the people that are in our custody um, and it doesn't uh, break the budget for the sheriffs. How about that? So. Yeah. So that, that's great top. So that, that would involve, you know, having people staffed in jails who are ready to respond should an emergency come up, come up. Is that is that what you're arguing for? And is that uh, is that a critical point right now where we don't have that in county jails? Well, you know, we do have that. But this is more specifically talking about the physical and the mental health of the people that are in our custody. Right. You know, we right. know that what we see in our communities are also reflective of what we're seeing in our jails. Um, and sadly, you know, sometimes, you know, when we get people in the custody, they're cut off from insurance. And then for those who are ready, who are at that point where they want to do better and be better and accept those services, they have to go back and try to establish getting some kind of insurance so they can continue that continuity of care. And then the other piece of that is like when we're talking about like budgetary issues, you know, we were well over budget doing what we needed to do, which is providing care for the people in our custody, you know, that health care is very expensive. So, you know, looking for some support and, and that and making sure, again, um, the continuity of care is, is has to be something that we're talking about. You know, Hennepin County Jail being a pretrial facility, over 80% of the people that are in our custody do go back in their community. So we want to, when they leave here, we at least need to do our best in making sure that they receive um, whatever services to hopefully keep them from coming back. Such a great point. We were talking to Hennepin County Sheriff Dewana Witt. She's on the uh, John Schuster Cobalt Banker Hotline. We started talking about the cold, but it is a real problem. When it's this cold, I, I, just, I always think about when I'm walking downtown, people who have no home, the homeless people who have to brave this cold and just you feel so bad and feel so vulnerable for them. How does your office, I guess, monitor those folks, people who really get into trouble and need help uh, when it gets this bad? You know, um, so Hennepin County as a whole is doing a lot of work. You know, we still have street outreach um, people that are on the ground. We've opened up warming centers. We're still working on getting people into secure and safe housing. And then, you know, the winter overflow shelters, you know, for families, um, that is something that has been increased. You know, and something if I could uh, bring the attention to your listeners, too, is, you know, we have a site where people can go to for that information, and that's hennepin.us backslash stay warm. So a lot of work um, is being done on that, you know, but we also need to talk about, you know, the people that are experiencing this homelessness, they do need help. And we know that encampments have um, a lot of issues around it to include safety, to include crime and things like that. It is irresponsible. and inhumane to allow this to exist, you know, for multiple months at a time, and especially when we have such extreme cold temperatures right now. 
Is that uh, has your office been involved with? Because uh, we've seen this, and it's almost like whack a mole, where we, you know, we we take one of these encampments down, and we see another one spring up. Is is your office involved with some of the control of those, or is that primarily uh, uh, the cities and local police departments that handle that? Well, it's primarily the cities, unless it's on county property. Um, as far as the encampments go, as far as the sheriff's office go, we have not had a, um, a lot of involvement with that when on city property. However, the uh, Hennepin County as a whole has been providing some of the resources and trying to make sure that we get people to safe and um, warm, stable housing. Uh, another topic I wanted to bring up with you, because I think a lot of people, you know, you, you assume that law enforcement agencies, whether police or county sheriff, uh, do similar work. But I, we were talking the other day about road enforcement because one of the things that happened during the pandemic that seems to have continued is people driving like knuckleheads, uh, mm-hmm. using the roads just crazily. I see it almost every single day. What kind of patrol uh, enforcement uh, does your office have? Is it strictly like county, rural county roads? Or how often, I guess, does your, uh, do your deputies get involved with like traffic enforcement? Every day, you know. Yeah. Um, we recently assigned uh, a deputy to the um, Towards Zero Death Initiative. That's the first time that this office has done that to enforce uh, so that we can have DUI enforcement all the time. But to answer your question about being in the cities and then versus the rural areas, you know, as you know, the sheriff has oversight over the entire county. We go where we need it. Yes, um, you could say maybe four or five years ago that we had a bigger um, um imprint in the in the suburbs and then more rural areas and cities that contract with the sheriff's office but as we see with uh challenging times our presence has been requested everywhere to include the city of minneapolis so we're doing that as well you know and, and our patrol um in general they increase their traffic enforcement details with some of the other cities making sure that we partner up throughout the county so it's it's a, it's a big job, but uh, as you brought up, you know, driving crazy is exactly what we've seen uh, throughout the county. You know, just as recent as this past weekend, you know, uh, one of our deputies who was contr- um, conducting uh, a speed traffic safety uh, witnessed a car driving over 80 miles an hour in a 60-hour mile, 60 mile per hour zone. And in the, when he did that and um, initiated a traffic stop, that vehicle refused to stop. Um, the result of that incident was um, the, the car was safely pitted, um, but then that car started ramming into one of our squads as well as one of our uh, city agency squads. I believe it was uh, Brooklyn Park, or maybe not Brooklyn Park. I forget the city, but um, but was ramming into it in, oh. in the event to try to get away he was ultimately arrested, you know, um, for um, felony flee as well as suspected um, driving under the influence. But, you know, that's that's just one point. You know, when we're looking at even like the auto auto theft, you know, which um, seems to be increasing yep. for, in 2024, um, you know, what are we doing? So in 2024, you know, I hired several uh, new detectives. We're going to we're starting off an auto um, theft task force. So that is something that the residents of Hennepin County are going to be seeing, and we're going to be teaming up with some of our city agencies within the county to combat the auto theft uh, increase that we're seeing. So, and then when we talk about, okay, who are we seeing still this, uh, stealing these cars? You know, oftentimes they're committed by juvenile offenders. And, you know, um, and then we know that when kids are driving these stolen cars, they're being reckless and they're being aggressive. 
you know. Um, so we're seeing all of these things, and we are trying to keep up with the trend that's out there um, with enforcement. And so, yeah, it's 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 a big. <laughs> It's a big issue. I mean, we've seen the stats, you know, when you compared Hennepin and Ramsey, you know, we're not doing great in that. So, again, made the decision that we are going to um, start up our own task force to deal with uh, the auto theft that we're seeing. Did you mean uh, that, that Ramsey County seems to have a leg up here that is doing better than your county currently? Yep, they they are. They had a tremendous decrease in the number of auto thefts over the last couple of years. And, you know, I think that's a lot of credit to um, Bob Fletcher and the Ramsey County Sheriff's Office on, like, say, their CAT team. So we are going to be initiating something similar to to what they've been doing, again, being more proactive, not just with the recovery of vehicles, but actually stopping the vehicles from being stolen. So there's a lot of work to be done there as we are forming this new team, but we have um, the people accredited to, you know, us being able to, to uh, attract um, experience, detectives and uh, task force members from around the county to do this work. You know, again, we are very blessed that um, there are people still willing to to do this job, at, especially when times are as difficult as they are now. So, And I'm glad you pointed out that it's, it's clear that, you know, it's juveniles that are doing most of these auto thefts. And enforcement is one thing, and bringing, you know, those kids to justice is one thing. But stopping them from wanting to steal cars in the first place should be a huge goal here. And I know, obviously, you don't have the answer to that. If the person who would have the answer to that, uh, we need to step forward. But if you had to address that, I guess, what, 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 what comes top of mind to stopping that in the first place? Well, we do know that some of these juveniles are doing it for the thrill. We've had juveniles where they entice law enforcement to chase them just for that thrill. You know, um, so, you know, that's just one piece of it. But but when we talk about why are they doing it, you know, is it just the thrill or is it because um, they think nothing will happen to them? You know, kids inherently think that they're invincible, right? (laughs) And they think that they're smarter than the adults. And, hey, a lot of times I guess maybe they are. But, you know, um, the ability for them to realize that what they are doing is unsafe and then also putting the public and others um, above them is not something that they're good at. So, you know, there's got to there's be an education piece to this, right, uh, as well as an enforcement piece. Sheriff, uh, we're out of time. Thank you so much for joining us. We always love having you, and we hope to have you again real soon uh, when it's warmer and you can, we can see your uh, lovely face in person. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Sheriff uh, Dewana Witt from Hennepin County, uh, we appreciate her, her comments. 936, we got traffic weather. Then I want to revisit where we started the show and Donald Trump's victory in Iowa and the phenomenon that is Donald Trump. He now is the Republican Party. And I want to point out the similarities and differences between his election in 2016 and Jesse Ventura's election. Uh, Jesse Ventura, 25 years ago, sworn in as governor of Minnesota. He shocked the world. Those were his words. So did Donald Trump. We'll get into the similarities and the differences. I think there are more differences than similarities, but I would love your take on that. 651-461-9226. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? 
Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Started off the show with the uh, one-word gauging of how you feel about the Iowa caucus results. Donald Trump wins easily, as expected. We'll get into that next hour, too, about an hour from now, with Michael Broadcorp, who is a longtime GOP strategist, uh, worked for uh, the Republican Party, uh, the legislature, working a Republican staffer. And we'll give his uh, get his analysis of what those numbers mean last night, including something uh, we'll talk about too is the the calling of that race last night. I mean, it was like thirty minutes into uh, the caucus, and they called it for Trump. Big difference in the caucus in general election in that typically races aren't called until the polls close. That wasn't the case last night, so we'll get into that because I have some questions. I know Michael does too, but. On the Donald Trump phenomena, that was my word, amazing. It is amazing. Whether you love Donald Trump and would follow him to the end of the earth or you despise the man, if you've listened to me, you know I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan. I just don't like him as a personality. I think he's a bully. Uh, I think there's clearly some questionable legal things that he has done, including I, it's. I think it's hard to argue that he tried to stay in power. That is totally goes against democracy but it is truly amazing to me that he has garnered the support he has garnered it is you cannot deny at that the power of the phenomenon of the donald trump political movement and we say that on the 25 year anniversary of another phenomenon by the name of Jesse Ventura. When I started this job in 2001, long, long time ago, Jesse Ventura was governor of the state of Minnesota. I was working the morning show at KZATFM in Tama, Iowa, that big, huge metropolis in Iowa, when I started the morning show on a November morning in 1998. And the top story was Jesse Ventura, Jesse the Body Ventura, former wrestler, elected governor of Minnesota, and I could not believe it. I said, Jesse Ventura won that election? He did, fair and square, just like Donald Trump won in 2016, fair and square. So is it, is it, what are the similarities between those two political movements? Now, Jesse uh, did one term, decided not to run again kind of frustrated by the uh, other two parties, and it's something that he has kind of gone off on since then about the the problems with the two political parties. And even though Donald Trump ran as a Republican and still says he's a Republican, I would argue it's the same thing. I think this is a third party now that has emerged out of uh, Republicanism, a lot of libertarianism. But I don't think it's your traditional Republicans. So I think this is a whole different party. So what are the similarities? 651-461-9226, what are the differences? I think the differences are greater than the similarities. The similarities are in this, that people, the voting public, have had enough of 
uh, your standard two-party system, and which is why Jesse Ventura, big personality, they said, let's give uh, this guy a shot. Now, he didn't have zero political experience. He was the mayor um, of uh, Brooklyn Park, I believe. Forgive me if it was Brooklyn Center. I can't remember. But they said, why not? And he drew young people to the polls to come out and vote for him. And people said, why not? It's got to be better than the alternative, what we've gone through. That's where it's similar with Donald Trump. Donald Trump said, drain the swamp. And the swamp includes Democrats and it it includes rhinos, the Republicans in name only. And a lot of people said, you know what? You're right. We're sick of this. We're sick of Washington not working for us. We're sick of politicians that lie to us constantly. And here's a big personality who's saying, I'm going to drain the swamp. I'm for the everyman. And they voted him in. That's the similarities. I think the differences are more significant, and the differences are in in this way. And I'll go back to what the professor from Drake was saying. Donald Trump tapped into not only people frustrated with government status quo, but he also tapped into, let's be honest, a lot of racism in this country. He started his campaign. Remember, he questioned uh, Barack Obama's citizenship. Uh, that played played into race, and he tapped into the angry white man, and it worked, and it's still working as evidenced last night. So I think those differences are greater than the similarities. DJ, what do you think about that? I think the yeah, I think the similarities to me come from the celebrity of these two individuals. Yep, they were celebrities for. Uh, non-political reasons, first and foremost. I mean, Trump was a businessman, but also then a reality TV star, and Jesse was this wrestler, and then, yeah, both of them sort of, you know, maybe dipped their toes in politics a little bit on their way to the top. But basically, when when both of those individuals ran for office, they were known for something completely non-political. Yep. Um, and I think... That was something we'd never seen before. I remember, I was trying to think of where I was. I don't know where I was, but I remember the reaction of my parents was just shock. To, I mean, to Ventura or of Trump? To Ventura. Okay. Um, no, Trump, I remember where I was. <laughs> I, was a, I was an I adult. I do too. I was right uh, here. <laughs> but to Ventura, I think, um, you know, that was in the 90s, but my parents were just so shocked i don't think there was a thought that a third party can and you know okay jesse this guy is oh that's a cute story he's a former wrestler but he's not really going to win and then he wins and it's (laughs) i mean it's shocking and i think that's the same shock i felt when uh when trump beat hillary i think throughout that entire candidacy okay he's gonna be done now he's gonna be he's not gonna make he's not gonna and then he made it all the way to the top and so i think the 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 concept of both of them being celebrities for something outside of politics and then winning and and really having fans. Both of those people had fans who yep. were fans of not just their policy, but fans of them as people. Both personalities. Ventura and yep. Trump, they're fans of those personalities. And I think that's a similarity. Yes, I think after that, the, the similarity kind of stops because the way they've governed, the respect they've had for the office, and yep. a lot of other things has been very different. What do you think? 651-461-9226 comparing Jesse Ventura's election to Donald Trump's. We'll continue that conversation, hopefully with some texts and calls from you. 651-461-9226.
952, that is your Lindus Construction time check. Time to uh, get 50% off installation labor on those Infinity from Marvin windows. Talking about differences between the Donald Trump election and the Jesse Ventura election. Jesse inaugurated 25 years ago today. Let's go to Hal in Bloomington, who's on the WCCO talk line. Hal, uh, go ahead. Thanks, Adam. I just had a quick story about my mother who passed away in 2001, and it was her very last election that she was voting in Mm -hmm. and i picked her up to take her to the voting poll and she said now you're going to help me do this and i said yes and she said i'm only going to vote for one person and i said well have you got that person in mind she said yes i want that ex wrestler (laughs) and i said you mean jesse ventura the guy with the boa (laughs) and she said yes and he's got a lot on the ball what and what what, and what did you did you ask her even more like why it was why it was Jesse? What 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 appealed to her about Jesse? My mother my mother had a very strong opinion and it was based on, you know, obviously the information she gathered. Yep. But she felt very, very strongly that this guy had a lot on the ball compared with any other candidates. So she had done her homework and she said, That's the only vote I'm taking is because he's got a lot on the ball. And of course, I called her the next day because it was late, late when he won. Mm-hmm. And uh, I called her the next day, and, I, and she said, "I'm not surprised. I knew what I was doing." <laughs> yeah, very good, great, Hal. Thank you so much for the call. Uh, Reed is in Wyzetta. Reed, go ahead. You're next up. So uh, it seems to me uh, there's a large difference in uh, the degree to which they're law-abiding citizens. Yeah, they're both unconventional, yeah. but. Jesse Ventura was largely law-abiding yeah. and served his country admirably. Mm-hmm. Could I bring up one thing I don't understand about Trump voters? Sure. My brother and sister-in-law supported Trump in 2016 simply because of his stance on abortion. So my question is, are there Trump, oh, sorry, are there Trump voters out there who watched the January 6th commission? And, you know, the bottom line commission, uh, the question, what do they say about Liz Cheney? who voted, you know, supported Trump policies about 90-some percent right. of the time. Yep. How do they explain Liz Cheney? Because she is so articulate and knows so much and is so adamant about the threat posed by Trump. So are there Trump voters out there who watched the January 6th TV coverage? My brother and sister-in-law systematically avoid yep. newspapers, news, etc. So I'd like to hear from Trump voters who watched it all and and still support him. Thank you, Reed. Uh, thanks for the call. We're up against the, the clock here, but he, he nails it. And it, it has to do with the willingness to believe the information they're given. And the, the, the brilliance of the Donald Trump political machine is to erode any belief in the, the conventional, traditional ways that Americans are educated, whether it's a traditional news channel uh, newspapers, whatever it is, the you know the the battle uh, against you know the battle the the war that's been waged against you know mainstream media is not something that new that's new to Donald Trump. That's long, long uh, ahead of his time and people's skepticism or disbelief in what they read or what they see on TV. But he tapped into that, and that's all part of it. Um. Both Trump and Jesse are thin-skinned, hate the media, and made it about themselves. Well, a little truth to that. Uh, Adam and Dave, Donald and Jesse are complete opposite individuals, both celebrities, but we voted for Trump to save the republic, 
not about personalities. Uh, Jesse Ventura was wise enough to know what he didn't know. He included well-qualified people from the GOP and DFL to important positions in Minnesota government. And while his term was not noteworthy, he did no harm because of his inexperience, not true, of Donald Trump. I think Jesse Ventura was, I wouldn't call his uh, term not noteworthy. Didn't we have those, uh, remember, he dropped dropped our uh, tab fees. I think we all apply to that. Let's give me some of that. Uh, DJ, quickly, uh, quick takes coming up. What do we got? History made at the XL Energy Center last night. A new uh, axe throwing venue coming to the northwest suburbs. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.